Hey you, it's good to have you back again. And if this is your first time, welcome. I'm Elisha Tadarera, and this is the For The Creatives podcast, where we share and hear inspiring stories from creative people from all different walks of life. In this particular episode, I sit down with Cameron Ford. He is an absolute legend and he has so much experience, which you're going to hear some of in a moment. Um, We do touch on building teams, on leaders versus managers and jobs versus a career. It's really interesting to hear his perspective um, with the amount of experience that he's had in business and in the Navy. So let's get into it. Well, hey, Cameron, welcome to the For The Creatives podcast. Good to be here. Thank you for having me on this lovely podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, look, not bad. It's, it's busy. It's COVID. People are down. but trying to maintain enthusiasm and, and happiness and trying to help those that need help is part of my daily job and here to help in any way I can with this podcast with you. Oh, that's cool. No, I appreciate you coming on. Um, so you have a wealth of knowledge in business and coaching in a lot of different things. Um, you've you were in the Navy for how many years was it? 14 years 14 from 2003 years. to 2016. Wow. So it was a long time and yeah, it was, I did everything, seen everything, 38 countries, been in the Middle East several times. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, lot, a lot of adventures, things that can't really happen anymore, but yeah. a lot of stories off, off mic about some of the stuff I got up to. But yeah, it was good. So I joined at 18, um, straight finished my HSC. Um Joined in 2003, Rise of the Iraq War sort of kicked off yeah, straight okay. down to, to Melbourne and then, yeah, moved to Sydney and served on numerous ships, numerous deployments, 38 countries through travels, a lot of adventures. Wow. Um, yeah, so I was, and learned a lot through that service. A lot of people won't really sort of ever really understand or, or comprehend yeah. in numerous areas. That helped gravitate towards business, which is, you know, a, a really strong element, which has got me into coaching and got into like fundamental leadership, yeah, um, yeah. team building, which is um, almost like a core passion of mine, yeah, um, to develop strong teams around you. And you know, when I gravitated the leadership into, into business, is that one of my first mentors had a really interesting phrase when going into business. Um, he said, "I want people to want to work for you." Not have to work for you. Yeah, I love and that. And there's a massive difference between the two because people that have or that, that have to work for you just work for a paycheck. Yeah, you know, people and like that, do the bare minimum. And, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and the people that want to work for you, they're the ones that will go that extra mile. Yeah, and you know some of the key elements or the you know the proudest moments of my business sort of was not the the money I made or all the prestige it was the fact that in five years I didn't have one staff member leave my organization. Wow! Wow! Um, and it's not because I overpaid them or it was just because I, I wanted a fundamental, strong, fun, professional, diligent culture yeah. that I was part of the team. Even though yeah. I was leading the team in my, in my gym, for example, I was still on my hands and knees scrubbing the toilets. Yeah. And when they come in and see me doing that at five o'clock in the morning, that if the owner of these facilities is on his hands and knees literally you know, scrubbing skiddies off the back of a toilet, it's good enough for them. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of, you know, I would bring my staff coffees. But that was, you know, one of the proudest moments. And the fact is I'm still friends with a lot of my staff members on you know, on, on a personal basis, not, you know, yeah. sold. Which that in itself is like an, an amazing story because so many businesses are struggling to 
keep staff and like have lower staff turnovers that I've seen. And there's a lot to it, but I think a big part of that is culture and having the right team, building the right team. I I couldn't agree more. And that's something that I've learned in the civilian world. Yeah. Is I'm not saying there's a right or wrong to this sort of element, but the culture is is hugely important. Yeah, definitely. And if you've got staff who are happy to go to work, who who, who want to be there and feel included and, and listened to and, you know they're gonna they're gonna want to stay there. Yeah. You know, and they another phrase is you know when staff leave organisations, they they leave managers. They don't leave the organisation. Yeah. And yeah. I, I find it baffling as a business owner when a lot of people came to my gym for for employment. They say, well, my boss would never give me an hour off to take my kid to the doctor. I'm like, well, that's just being human. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to dock someone an hour's pay because you're it's just two o'clock in the hour. But you know, in return, I uh, I subconsciously wanted that hour to be made back. Yeah, you know. But if someone goes above and beyond for me, and I see that all the time, I'm not going to micromanage and have and care if someone wants to have an hour off to do a little bit of personal admin. Yeah. Fair enough, I'm paying them for that hour. You know, but as long as they weren't taking me for a ride. And even just like how you handle the situation, how you communicate about it as well would play a big difference. Well, exactly. And, you know, I think Richard Branson said that um, the customer always comes first. That's always the, the, the poignant sort of throwaway phrase. Yeah. He had a different take on that. He said your employees should come first because if you treat your employees well, they are going to treat your customers yeah. well. And I, I, part of the teams in the Navy, for example, I always treated my subordinates with, with respect and, and courtesy and make sure the job gets done and there's a fine line between being lenient and being taken for granted Yeah, make sure yeah. that that line is never crossed. But I always had no qualms or issues ever Yeah, with, yeah. with doing whatever I could to make sure that the people working for me wanted to continue to work for me and they yeah. were happy. And when you, th- when you say it that way, it sounds like it should be straightforward. It sounds like everybody should do that, but it's not always how it happens. Um, um, and again, I, I found that with civilian employment in some organizations, and that is, it comes down to monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. Um, I've been very fortunate and privileged to ha- come from an element of the military, for example, where I've seen yeah. the very best and the very worst of leadership. Yeah. I've yeah. seen the very best how a phenomenal leader can build a team out of a scrap heap and make them to absolutely cohesive unit like perform unbelievably I've also seen how a tyrannical um, self-indulgent leader can also destroy the best of teams yeah and when I gravitated from military leadership to a business owner I only wanted to extract the best because I knew what the worst could do yeah treat with courtesy with respect with motivation be an inspiration um, be a friend when needed to um that's just my sort of mentality with, with work and business in general. Yeah. Is, um, you know, I, I guess that's just because I've come from a fortunate situation or a f- former employment where I have seen the very best and the very worst. Whereas if you've got institutionalized leadership programs through an institutional organization, that person's only going to learn from that, what they've learned from above. And if you've got institutionally poor management styles, you're going yeah. to learn directly under your leadership, which is to be almost tyrannical and micromanagerial. And with that leads to not yeah. enjoyment of your workplace. And I've heard someone say it as well, that you could be a great manager, like business-wise, but a bad leader, people-wise. I think there's a lot of managers who don't know how to lead well. 
Um, that's what I've found. Yeah, yeah and, and you're 100% right is that managing is, is different than leading, especially yeah. in, in, in business, like in, in self-business. So there is, again, the difference between um, civilian managerial and military managerial and military leadership and yeah. business leadership. In my current sort of um, the realm of associations, my current um, boss is a phenomenal manager and a phenomenal leader. Yeah. And I would work for him under any situation until the day I die. He's proven over the past five years that his leadership and managerial ways have not wavered one little bit to suit anyone. He's just, yeah. he gets sort of stuff done. I've also seen from other managers. They can manage, they can write numbers on pieces of paper, but like, like they couldn't lead yeah. a team out of well, wet rice paper, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, again, it comes down to leadership styles. You can learn stuff out of books. You can read, read watch podcasts or YouTube videos. Yeah. But in my sort of situations where I've led teams literally into life or death situations, that's when that... That, that element of leadership where people have to entrust you yeah, to get yeah. the job done. They've got to look, look to you for, for guidance and support and mentorship and you've literally got to be the beacon. And I think that's where the, the, the difference between the two comes between management styles and leadership styles. A manager can get any KPIs, they can tick every single single in the box, but you know, a leader will build the team. Yeah, A leader will make a co- cohesive culture uh, a leader will want people to want to stay there, to want to work for the organization for, for the betterment. And I think, in my opinion, that's the, the difference between a leader is a, a mentor, a developer, a grower, yeah. an enhancer, and, and building you know the business cake, so to speak, to get a yeah. really good result at the end, where a manager just ticks boxes. So when it comes to managers in business, in the civilian world, um, would you say that it helps with building teams and team culture it would help when the manager actually values the people on the team and shows that to them? Yes, and this is a really hard point. This is where a lot of lines don't really get crossed into developing managers into leaders. Yeah. It's it's hard to sort of give specific examples because there's like 20,000 different types of businesses yeah. out there. Yeah. There's 20,000 types of different business experiences, right? Um, a manager, if you work for... A, a franchise, for example, a manager has their sole purpose to make KPIs, yeah, to make sure yeah. that the revenue comes in to pay for the rent, to pay for the stock, to pay for the wages, to pay for insurance, etc., etc. Yeah, their, that's their sole job and their sole purpose. They, they they generally don't look beyond that to help develop and, and grow the employee. This is where it also gets a little bit more complicated because the employee has also have to have that level of desire to want that yeah yeah so if an employee just wants to go to work just to get a paycheck and just go home that person is not going to progress any further exactly right they're not going to because their desire is not there to do that and this is where it comes into almost cultural stigmatism for example now there is i'll, I'll use a, a, a any sort of retail shop for example yeah there's nothing wrong with with retail shops it's a it's a cornerstone of australian business yeah there's so many people but if you've got someone who's literally stacking Tim Tams or stocking clothes or stocking fishing hooks for example um, are they getting that professional satisfaction or that, that interpersonal growth to succeed to the next level and this is where I think a lot of people employees in general don't really look three or five years in the future 
do they want to continue to be stacking Tim Tams or fishing hawks or clothes or do they want to aspire to be a manager? Yeah. And this is where the manager's job is to look for those people that want that next level, that want that next step, that love their job. And not feel intimidated by it, but actually help that Correct. person get there. Yeah. yeah, and that's where if you see someone, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll divert a little bit yeah. and go back to one of my first jobs I had in Sydney. I was, uh, I think I was 17 or 18, right before I joined the Navy. And I made, I was promoted to night manager of an IGA. And we had a massive staff meeting with um, one of the owners who owned like several IGAs and he, he stood up and he praised me um, being 18 year old to doing a better job than the day manager. And the day manager really hated that. Wow. And then he, and then he started cutting my hours from 40 hours a week to 30 hours a week to 20 hours a week because he saw that someone who'd been in an industry for 25 or 30 years was yeah. literally upshown by a 17, 18 year old fresh out of high school that was just had new ideas, fresh ideas and was producing really good outcomes. Yeah. So that's yeah. A, a, a personal example of how sometimes a manager can be threatened through no other reason yeah. than seeing a, a star sort of born. But this is a very, very delicate dynamic between business culture and, and developing staff members to be the best they can be or are they hiring staff members just to provide yeah, a piece of service. Fill a role to mm. yeah, do a particular job. Yep. That's interesting. So I'll sort of add one more thing on that. When, when I hired people in, in my business um, as a manager and a leader, I had the, the, the basic qualification questions. Yeah. I asked my staff or my potential staff members a question at the end. And I said, do you want a job or do you want a career? Yeah. And it kind of stumped a lot of them um, because no one really knew the difference between the two. And I only hired the people that wanted a career because I knew they were going to be an A for the long haul. They wanted to learn, to grow, to develop. Whereas people that want a job, they're the ones I hired part-time because I knew that they were there just to do the service, just to get their money and just to go home. Yeah. People that wanted a career wanted to learn from me as a military fitness leader or learn new exciting things or, or learn you know business resiliency or, or, or leadership or how to have empathy in the workplace or... Yeah. you know how to have people look up to you as a someone that they want to be not something that they have to be there so it's really interesting when you sort of mentioned that that was yeah a question that i asked do you want a career or do you want a job no i like that and it makes you think like it's a question that people probably don't get asked too often well well in, in the workplace yeah um yeah and i i, I totally agree and it's even something if if you are looking for a job um, you know, we'll go and seek, we'll go and indeed, we'll go and make connections, etc. etc. When we see a job sort of pop up, do we see that job that pops up as something we can do, or do we see it as something we want to do until we're 55, 57, or 67, wherever retirement age is now? Yeah, the rest of our lives, and that's again where they cross that parallel between do you actually want a job just for a paycheck to pay your bills, to pay your food, to go for a little holiday? Yeah, or do you want a career that you're going to grow in? Yeah. Um, so when you left the um, when you left the navy, what was how did the decision come about to start your own business and get into fitness training and then the gyms? Yeah, so that uh, I actually I joined the navy at eighteen and I was like a broomstick on steroids. Um, I weighed about sixty seven kilos and I didn't really did any sort of terms of fitness in my entire life. When yeah. I joined the navy, I loved it. I, I loved the challenge of mentally and physically pushing myself to places that I've never been before. I started lifting, started eating protein, started getting really ripped. And then I um, 
when I come off my first deployment, my first ship, I started wanting to learn more about the mechanics, about nutrition, about like, programming. And so, yeah. I, so I started doing my, my Cert 4 and then my diploma. And then how I gravitated from there is um, kind of like a, a shift in, 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 in life, 25 or 26, whenever it was, I started training people on weekends, on Saturday mornings. I, I stopped giving up the drinking life and partying in Sydney and kind of boring. So I thought, well, I'll make a couple extra bucks by training people, doing boot camps, uh, in in the park in Piermont in in Sydney yeah. CBD, and um, my classes went from one this is over a period of weeks from like one to two to five to three to seven to five to fifteen to five to and it got to a point where I was making forty people uh, on a Saturday morning, um, charging them twenty dollars for an hour and a half, and I was making like eight nine hundred dollars on a Saturday morning before most of my friends were out of bed. Yeah. And at the time, I, I come back from the Middle East a couple of times. I bought an investment property and things were going really well. And I just, I was really starting to earn as much income from my side hustle doing personal training as I was with, with the military. So then I went into transition, I had a lot of bulk cash and I brought a gym. It was already existing. I brought it off um, a guy who was selling it because he went through a bit of a divorce. Yeah. Um, so I picked up the gym and then I was feeding my two passions. I had a full-time stable paycheck, full-time in the Navy. Uh, and I also owned the business. Now, I was really fortunate that during the time I purchased the gym, I took long service leave. Yeah. yeah. Three months off, fully paid to work every single day in my club to build the club, yeah. to put in my processes, to put in my managerial styles, how I wanted to change things. Um, and from there, I, I had two, I had the two rolling at once. I had full-time directorship of a company running a, a gym with a couple of hundred members and I had full-time paycheck from the Navy. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. so it was, you know, and... This is where, you know, the, the bad side of business comes in because I worked 900 days without a day off from wow. 4.30 wow. in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. I'd get there at 4 in the morning, 4.30, sorry. I'd clean, I'd tidy things up, I'd spray everything down, I'd make sure the equipment was all neat, tidy. I'd open the club up at 5, I'd take my first client from 5 to 6, 6 to 7, I'd get on the train at 7, go all the way to King's Cross, 7.45. I'd work a full Navy day, I'd leave there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, get the train all the way back to the gym at five, I take a client at five thirty to six, six till seven, seven to eight, sometimes eight till nine, nine till ten. Wow. And I did wow. that for literally two and a half years and I lost a lot. My partner at the time, you know, left. I had depression, anxiety, I was just and I burn out. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it got to a point where I, I literally I started to feed off um, the prestige of, of trying to do too much. Yeah. And yeah. burnout is not a good thing. So when, when I went through different processes of try to, and this is like my, my biggest, one of my biggest growth points was sometimes I don't need to do everything. Yeah. You know, and I was never a micromanager. I always let people have their own reign how they did things. But I then started delegating a lot more of my medial tasks to my staff members in terms of more clients, in more programming, in more networking, in more marketing, et cetera, et cetera, where I could focus on then growing the business yeah. and my staff could then look after growing my customer base. Yeah. And that was something I really started to learn the importance of delegation Yeah, is that you know even though that I was still working my butt off with, with cleaning and hygiene and you know, all those sort of medial tasks, equipment and safety and insurances and paychecks and pay, I did all that kind of stuff, Yeah, but I wasn't taking 15 clients a day either. I was yeah. starting to, and, and the benefit to that was my staff are getting paid more because I'm taking my clients, and when the staff start getting paid more, they they're happier. Yeah, because yeah. they're happier, they're happy to do more marketing, they're happy to do more cleaning, they're happy to go out and talk to more people. So it was like a, a weird 
byproduct of success that the less I did, the more the, the, the more, more the business the grew. More the business did, yeah. <clears throat> and the more you could work on it instead of just in it. Yep. Yeah. And then and then sort of quitting. Um, the, the business was at a point where I could effectively leave. And um, when we were in, in, in Sydney, I had a, had a partner at the time and we just said, look, we can't achieve our goals living in Sydney because, you know, house prices are too much and we weren't on, you know, top tier six-figure salaries. So... I left the, the, the Navy, had a small sort of part-time job called um, uh, doing managerial training in Sydney before then and I found a job in Bundaberg and then we just literally shifted our entire lives from Sydney wow. all, all the way to Bundaberg and, and the cost of living here is pretty pretty super. Bundaberg's beautiful. Yeah. The beaches are beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. It's pretty amazing here for, for the lifestyle and that was kind of the transition um, you know, from military to business owner to leaving both and now you know, somewhat retired lifestyle up at lovely Bundaberg. And do you find um, when you made that move that you were able to have, I guess, how do do you go with balance, balancing everything? So you were talking about burnout before. Mm. Um, How did you sort of come out of that burnout and find your own balance or your own rhythm? Hey, just jumping in real quick. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. I really enjoyed having this conversation with Cameron. We're about to come to a close. Our conversation was so long that we had to cut it into two episodes. So in the next episode, we touch further on motivation and not beyond motivation. Like how do you stay driven and how do you stay disciplined when you've started something new beyond that initial motivation or drive or excitement? How do you keep going um, and keep going at a healthy pace? So if you're interested in that, keep an eye out for the next episode and I'll let you get back to the rest of this one. Oh, that's a really good question, that one. Um, to be quite honest, it's not something that I really kind of discovered until kind of this year. Yeah. Um, where Because I never had any... any Because I lived in such a high-tempo environment for such a long time. Yeah. I didn't really have that balance in, in, in work life and, and personal life with the military. We're always on call. We're always doing stuff, trips away. So yeah. I literally lived a go, go, go lifestyle for, for 14 years and going into business, that fit really well because it was go, go, go for yeah. you know, three, four years after that. So I didn't really, I haven't really found a balance of shift between balance between now with all the stuff I've got going on with, with growing and, and developing. But I'm just talking, taking more time to purposely take time for me. Yeah. And that's something I've never done in my entire life ever. Is yeah, I've always put yeah. people before me. I've always put my job or my career before me, my partners before me, and I've never had that balance. The only thing I do for myself that I have done was go to the gym and exercise. Yeah, yeah. That's my only real thing I've done for myself. But now I'm finding that because I'm focusing on me now, um, it's still go, 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 but it's balanced go, go, go. Yeah, no, I definitely hear that. Um, last year when like we had our small lockdown in Bundaberg, I had nothing on for like three weeks. Like I just had nothing on. Like my weeks were just so scheduled and I just had all these external events and things that I had to do and get done that at that point in time, I was just sort of every day getting up, going through what I had to do, going to bed, same thing. And then suddenly for a few weeks, I had nothing on. And um, coming out of that time and getting back into work, I like realized and I had to had this like inner dialogue that it's actually okay to take time for myself, to work on myself, but also just to do nothing or rest a bit and to have that sort of balance. Um, yeah, I think it's so important. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I just don't think people really take a, 
a mindfulness to that. So you, taking time out is not watching Netflix. Yeah. Taking yeah. time out is not, you know, social metering for, for four hours a day. Taking time out is actually doing inner work. Yeah. Um, doing things like daily affirmations or doing things like daily goal plans or little mighty projects. You know, people say they've got nothing to do. Well, pick up a new language, pick up a new skill. There's literally millions of free courses that you can do yeah. about yeah. Any, any type of subject. And f- for me now, my personal time is growth time. Yeah. Is, yeah. you know, I, I something I've never done in my entire life is read. Yeah. Like I'm quite literate. I can, I can read stuff. But I always found in my entire life that reading was for a purpose to solve a particular equation. I needed to read to pass a test. I needed to read to understand that if this happened. Now I'm reading for enjoyment and I'm, and I'm loving um, the journey of growth. Yeah. And if, if we went into lockdown right now, I'll be more than happy. Yeah, I, mean, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be more than happy. And, and I'm not just going to say put Netflix on and just watch entire series, but I've got I've got so much stuff that I could fill my eight hours of productive working days with. Yeah. It's yeah. such growth-minded. And that's for me, that's my downtime. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not for any other purpose other than growth and like inner healing and, and just inner happiness. Yeah, no, that's cool. And um, one of the things I wanted to touch on was I, so I'm trying to build something new. So I started like a personal brand at the start of this year that I've been developing slowly. I have a few big projects that I want to work on and want to launch in the near future. And I'm around a lot of people who are aspiring entrepreneurs or they're already entrepreneurs or they've got startups or they're in the early stages of a business. And one of the big things that I'm facing myself and that I know a lot of other people are facing is trying to find the find that i guess discipline or that energy to keep going beyond the initial motivation so in your with your experience in the navy and in your business is there anything you can touch on to sort of help me answer the question around like how to keep energized beyond the initial motivation when we're starting something new starting a new business or a new project or something like that 